Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey everyone, it's Jessie. Hi, it's Helen here. And you're listening to another episode of Asian Bitches Down Under. Hey Helen, how's it going? Hi, I'm okay. How about you? Very tired. Yeah, I know. And we all know the reason because you mentioned it before that we start recording. Okay, no, but that's 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 not like PG rated. Uh, <laughs> is our show ever PG rated? I don't think oh, so. Oh, true. Yeah, no. But this is like personal. Anyway, <laughs> um, how's how's life in the in the north northern beaches? No, you're not in the northern beaches. You're Central in the central coast. coast of New South Wales. How's life up there? Yeah, it's been good. Yeah, I think I'm slowly improving on my mental status. I, I yeah. mentioned it so last Helen, week. Yeah, yeah Helen and, and I had a very... Well, I found it rather confronting conversation when Helen opened up to me about last week. She was having some pretty bleak, rough times. Yeah, yeah. how are you feeling about it this week, Helen? Yeah, so I... I don't know. Should, yeah, I don't know if the listeners want to, want to listen to it, but I'll just briefly explain what happened. I think about a fortnight ago, just before I had my monthly period, I usually have very bad PMS. So my mm. mood swing goes really like roller coaster. And we're talking about all kind of like theme park rides. Are um, you bipolar? I don't think so. Maybe I should get going. Get I think diagnosed. you should get. Well, yeah, yeah I think you should. I don't mm-hmm. think you are, but go on. Yeah, anyway, so there was, I think it was a fortnight ago on one Saturday afternoon, I just suddenly felt really, really bleak, as in I felt extremely darkness. And I'm not talking about my visual, my uh, other senses and things that I just mm. write in my mind and I didn't want to do anything. And mm. I kind of, it shocked me in a way yeah. that I never felt like that before, or maybe yeah. I have, but yeah. I never really noticed. I probably yeah. just brushed away. But I think COVID has really, like, this pandemic lockdown and everything, the things that's been changing in my life. Even, I think I try, also as an Asian, that I try to bury it down so much that it kind of exploded. So that afternoon, like, nothing physical happened, okay? Mm. But my mind was just really bleak. And then three days after, um, I had a huge argument with my husband. Like, I've become really, really irritative, like mm. about really small things, which yeah. is kind of normal sometimes, I think. Like my family will say yeah. that I pick on the really little things, but it will uh-huh. just really, becomes really extreme. So I spoke to you about it and I told you that I'm going to go and see a GP and get a referral, which is what I've already set up an appointment That's to good. do so. Um, and also I want to mention that um, this, uh, I think it was two days ago on Tuesday that I've uh-huh. attended uh, vid- video conference um, by o- Asian Australian Project. So uh-huh. they had a couple of the uh, mental health professions on that conference to talk about um, mental health, which is really good because you know we we had a episode about mental health at the very beginning of our like when we first started, mm. and yeah. they spoke about. Um, there's a lot of things that it's more complicated for Asian diasporas living in Western country because so much impact, not just normal daily stuff. We're mm. talking about family and also culture and race differences. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I'll put a link of that um, 
video conference. Oh, I think they they're uploading it today. Oh, um, good because I'd like yeah. to watch it. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. It's really good. It's a yeah. bit long, but it's it's really good. Yeah, and so yeah, that's that's the bit of from me about my mental status, but it's slowly yeah. improving. Yeah, that's really good. What do you think helped improve it or lift it in the last few days? Um, anything can you can tie it down to specific? Okay, in specific, it will be um, I'm just trying to put my hand into you know doing the podcast, you know, preparing for our episode today, which is I'm yeah. really excited <laughs> to and yeah. look forward to it, uh-huh. and. Um, I've been listening to Chinese indigenous music. Uh, oh, can you can you yeah. send it to me? Send some yeah, to I'll me. send it to cool. you. I've been listening to it on uh, Spotify, which is really good because um, I thought that I would not understand, but because it's indigenous, Abao sings in indigenous uh, language. Thai ma? Uh, no, Taiwan, Taiwan Zhu. Oh, cool. yeah, it's one of the tribe in Taiwan, and. Initially, I keep thinking that okay, I'm not gonna like understand the language. What's the point of it? But when you start listening to her, you know that she had her music is a mixture of indigenous rap, blues, and R and B style. Oh, and that sounds great! It's it just listen to it. Yeah, it's okay, brilliant. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Speaking of music, Billy and Carl and I, when we went to like our um, we hung out like a few nights ago, and we were. We were watching a last episode of Emily in Paris. I've seen it multiple <laughs> times, but they haven't. So like uh-huh. we were celebrating with like a French, a French themed evening. Yeah. And anyway, we went to like the best IGA in Sydney, which is the one in Summer Hill. They have like okay. the most amazing, epic, ridiculously epic cheese fridge. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, like so you go like into this deli. massive fridge, yeah, uh-huh. and there's like 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 in. Two hundred thousand assortments of cheese. Okay, yeah. So we got like a really expensive cheese from France, and we came home and made. Uh, Kyle made us like baguettes with like uh-huh. cheese and thyme butter. Anyway, so um, <laughs> on when we were in IGA shopping, um, <laughs> um, the radio was playing um, Spice Girls, <laughs> and then anyway, uh. that just led to a whole evening when we were just like seeing Spice Girls together while we were making French. Baguettes. Uh-huh. It was so much fun. Anyway, but since then I've been listening to um, Spice Girls. If yeah. you want to be my lover. No, actually, we're, we're um, Billy. Oh, Billy likes the Viva 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 Forever. Oh yeah. I'll be waiting. Uh-huh. Everlasting. Yeah. yeah, and then I I my favorite is when to become one. I need some love like I never needed love before. Remember that one? Yeah, that I remember. One make love to your baby. I had a little love. Yeah. Anyway, Spice Girls, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of our like a kind of like a trashy. I wouldn't say trashy. Oh, but it's not it's trashy. Really, really popular when we were growing up. Yeah. Well, hey, when you were growing up, who were you? I was like Sporty Spice. That's how I identified myself. Because she was like the most tomboy tomboy. And I uh-huh. identified with a tomboy. And because there were no Asian like Spice Girls. There was like a black Spice Girls. There was a blonde uh-huh. Spice Girls. There was a ginger Spice Girls. And then yeah. there was that baby. standard. Yeah, well, the baby was the, the blonde. Standard. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And yeah. then there was Mel C, who was like the only One other of the iteration. POC, oh. yeah. No, well, Mel C's not a POC, is she? No, there was a there was a the other male. I think there was two males in. Oh yeah, Spice that's Girl, Scary Spice. Oh yeah, Scary Spice. Yeah, yeah. I'm too old. <laughs> oh wait, so you didn't identify with any of them? 
Not really. I don't think okay. so. I'm just Googling yeah. Mel C right now, and her name is Melanie Chisholm. She's very white. Mm-hmm. She's definitely white. Yeah, but the other Mel is black. Yeah, I think she's yeah. black. Well, definitely she's black, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have been reading... I finished... You know how I'm obsessed with reading books? Mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. my job as a book critic uh, means that I often... I need to be more selective about what I read now in my downtime. Yep. And so um, in between the books that I'm reviewing, I picked up Isabel Wilkinson's Cast, which is the book that everyone is talking about. Oprah has made like an entire podcast about it. Basically, it's this woman who used to be a New York Times journalist. Maybe she still is. And she spent years writing this book, um, which has just come out. And basically her premise for the book is that in America, there's a caste system. Uh, very much like mm-hmm. uh, the one in um, Germany during the Hitler Third Reich times okay. yep. and in India. So she just takes those three contexts and mushes them together. So mm-hmm. it's very, it's kind of really reductive, um, but I still like thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, there were a mm-hmm. lot of descriptions of lynchings and like um, a lot of horrible sort of first ca- first first person accounts of her own experiences of racism that sometimes could be, um, I kind of read it and I'm like, oh, I've like, I'm not saying this is not important. I'm just like, God, I've read so many of these. I'm sort of tired of them. Like, mm-hmm. I want a better way to talk about narratives rather than just like first person narratives. Okay, so the writer is, she's black or is she? Oh, yeah, yeah obviously. Okay. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I think when I read a um, book about racism, I don't necessarily always want to read first person accounts, you know? Okay. Like, I know racism exists, uh-huh. but like sometimes I just want a. I don't know, maybe it's controversial for me to say that because, you know, racism is a sociological problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and I mean... It's a systematic it's still, problem, yeah. Yeah, it's still, it's still worth... It's definitely still worth reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you? What have you read? Uh, to kind of release my mental <laughs> tangles, mm-hmm. I uh, went back to start reading Helen Keller's um, the world that I lived in and optimism, which is mm. somehow like kind of like a self-improvement book. But um, I love the way that she writes um, because she's, uh, what is she? She's uh, visually impaired and she's deaf. Uh, so Helen Keller is uh, like the American writer in the early 1900s. So she mm. writes about her experience um, sort of well. Looking through the world through her other senses, for example, touch, smell, and vibration. So it mm. kind of me put myself, like when I read in her work, I'm kind of grounded myself again, you know, not thinking so much about other issues. I'm just trying yeah. to uh, live the life, which sometimes I hate a lot as a human, mm. um, and not thinking about shit stuff's happening happening around the world i think one of the issues that i had of kind of tangle up my mental status was that i spent like i have to admit i spent too much time on social media which is an issue because i just read so much shit as in i read other people's comments and sometimes i get entangled with some arguments that i know that i cannot help Mm. to find a solution at all you know because Mm. Um, how are you going to talk to 
diehard Trump supporters or you, how you're going to argue with people who just don't see their racist behavior. And、mm. when you call them out, they just, you know, they get more angry. So I just removed myself from Facebook for a couple of days and reading her book and also watching <laughs> Shit's Creek. The best <laughs> show ever made, hands down. That kind of like helped. Ew, David! Yay, David! <laughs> Ouch, David! So I fucking love too, Alexis. Well, like, um, Billy um, got me onto it,、uh, like, a, about a year ago.、Mm-hmm. And I, like, was just, it's the most comforting space ever. It's the most, <laughs> like, Billy says this as well. It's like the most comforting, safe space.、Mm-hmm. So it makes me want to be in their world. You、oh, know? really? Okay. Yeah. I love the dynamic between David and Alexis.、Uh-huh. Yeah,、I、Alexis so, is my、uh-huh. favorite. Ew, <laughs> <Ew> , David! <laughs> It's so funny because I don't know about a show until I read the news about the Emmy that they won.、Oh, Emmy,、right. uh-huh. And I thought that, okay, it looks just purely very white drama to me <laughs> or comedy. Like, why would it? Like, I'm trying to get my head around it thinking how you won Emmy, as in, is there an enlightenment throughout the comedy that I really want to watch it? Mm. And three episodes, three episodes after I watched that, I was just thinking, I still can't understand why he w- wins the war. Yeah. And then I just saw that. But it's addictive because、yeah. <laughs> it's just so funny. It's so good. <laughs> it's so cringy and funny that it gets you hooked into、oh, it. <laughs> it is so beautiful. Do you, I don't know, have, so you've watched.、Uh, I've the watched、season? the whole thing like、okay. maybe twice. Do you okay? Do you remember that? Because I'm still on the first season. Do you remember、mm. where they want to? They held a party. I think、yeah. it was like on episode four or five. They、yeah. held a party while their parents were away、yeah. in the little motel room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, the dynamic between the siblings, like、yeah. where、uh, the what's his name, David. David. Yeah. He wanted to have like a really straight face and trivia night, and Alexis just wanted to、yeah. go out. Yeah. And have a Drunken party, you know, you get drunk and you drink and you have friends over. And that 20 minutes, I was watching it, and by the end of the episode, <laughs> I told Sean, saying that I kind of can sense that's what's going to happen with our kids. <laughs> with Aya and Luke? Yeah, with Aya and Luke. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's very cute. And have you been watching anything this week? Um. I don't think I have. Yeah, I've just trying to be re- reading and working on my own writing.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've、mm-hmm. been, I went to Coogee Baths yesterday again and I got like, I, I thought you could get completely naked in the women's baths there, but like、uh-huh. nobody, like women, there were about five or six women there and they were just like topless.、Okay. And so I went topless and、mm-hmm. it was really nice to swim topless. But um, um, A, I got really sunburnt. Like my chest and my breasts are like super red. Ouch.、Um, but but、um, I wanted to go all full nude, but I、mm-hmm. don't think you can because I didn't see anyone else going full nude. Was there any signs saying that you cannot or can? No, I guess I could just ask the woman at the front when I go yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. But、um, it was really lovely. It's just being in the water and the ocean. You know how you and I have talked about how I have this theory that. Nobody great in Australia, nobody achieves anything great in Australia because of the weather. You know how I have that theory? Yes. Because、yeah. you just want to, when it's great weather, you just want to go out to the beach. Yeah. I, I had this、um, slight, minor, remarkable epiphany yesterday.、Mm-hmm. So I was、okay. driving back from Coogee,、mm-hmm. and like my body just felt so 
nourished and wholesome and mm-hmm. sort of like tingling you know yeah. it was just such a specific feeling that you get after you are you have been at the beach you know That's it's right. a combination yeah. of sea salt sea water and the sun sun yeah yeah absolutely. and i thought and i thought maybe maybe i'm giving sydney's weather less credit than it deserves you know because like when i do <laughs> yeah you have been <laughs> yeah because like when i do spend time in the sun like i come out, i come away from it feeling really really like wholesome and yeah. and like rejuvenated and mm-hmm. like really happy it's like this very mm-hmm. particular kind of happiness that you only get when your skin touches the australian sun yeah and i thought maybe that's something i should cherish more yeah i you mean know? everyone should because the vitamin d is just so essential not mm. only vitamin d it's just that i think the the sunlight gives you a certain content yeah that's yeah. how i felt yeah, yeah. physical and emotional it, I, well. I did feel yeah. really super content and mm-hmm. um yeah i wonder like if i lived in say russia you know no wonder people get depressed there yeah. Maybe, I don't know, because you know, you don't ever feel that warmth of the sun. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The the physical bit of with the warmth and the sun, it's yeah. just very important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I love the ocean. Yeah. It's just the most it's most wholesome place ever. Mhm. Mhm. Should we get into our topic today? Yeah, Helen, take it away. We want to talk about um two separate but also intertwine that I feel um, the issues in our world. Well, not issue and also, you know, yeah, whatever, how you want to call it. Um, so we want to talk about asexual and polyamorous today. Um, as we've done an episode on sexual empowerment before, where we had a conversation of individuals' power of consenting to intimate interactions. Mm. And this week we want to talk about like a position in a different spectrum, you know, asexuality to start with. Um, where my interest from this topic was actually from uh, the idea coming, came from Clean Marriage is like a uh, short story written by Sayaka Murata. Mm-hmm. Um, the story talks about how um, there was a couple but they got together through online dating, but they explicitly um, indicated that they would not have sex with their um, spouse, but they allow their spouse to go out and explore um, other relationships, sexually or non-sexually. And at the very end, towards the end of the story that the the couple want to have kids, but they have no idea how they can do that because they're Mm. not sexually attracted to each other. Mm. Um, I will have that. Uh, story on our show note the link mm. everyone should read it it's so interesting um so I, I feel like there's an intertwine of aspects between asexual and polyamorous that's why i want to talk about it um, mm. my friend from good gay uh, podcast they had an episode on ex- asexuality about a fortnight ago mm. and for those who listen to chinese mandarin i really urge you to listen and go and check out their podcast yeah. because what do they talk about um, on this episode, they talk about the asexuality, the insights, and how the society uh, have perceived. Well, they are in Chinese, but um, what essentially what we're going to be doing in English today? Mm. Yeah. Um, so to start with, um, 
asexual. Hold on, I'm just going to get my notes up. Where do I have it here? Um, so asexuality is defined uh, as lack of sex, sexual attraction. You know, mm. it's someone who is not sexually attracted to anyone or have very low, uh, what do you call it? Um, libido. Libido, yeah. Um, asexual can be romantically att- uh, attached or attracted to someone else, you know, who may or might not be uh, sexually attracted to them. Mm. Um, there are a lot of misconceptions about asexuality because people would consider that, uh, is it the same with, uh, what do you call it, uh, celibacy? Celibacy, yeah, yeah that's celibacy. me. Celibacy that's me. is a choice. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so a choice and uh, um, people get, there's a, there's a myth about, people don't get, get confused, sorry. People get confused with celibacy and asexuality, asexuality. because well, asexuality, totally yeah, it's totally different, you know. Um, it's like saying that, you know, we have, we still have a lot of conservative older people saying that um, homosexuals is a choice. Oh my God, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <sighs> I want to, like, I want to ask uh, the asexualities the the aspects of their sexualities and do you think that it is an empowerment for individuals and why because the little researchers i've been looking into it it seems like um it's always been there like homosexuals but the they all only been coming out more publicly in the last 20 years like for for example the studies and research and do you think that it's because that we as a whole society as a whole, we don't consider reproduction as more important now because when we talk about sex, mm. um, the fundamental purpose of sex is to reproduce. Well, evolutionarily yeah, speaking. Visually, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. Do you think that um, when we are more recognising, as a society recognising more sexuality, um, it also removes... I do believe that it removes the objects what's the word um objectification yeah you know of the physical entity and removes mm. the commodification right because yeah. it, it i kind of feel like it's more um it's the whole new level it's a whole new level because you're having you're you're in a rom- romance relationship um you talk about a bit more on the intellectual level uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to get my hair around it and trying to find a w- sentence to explain it. Mm. But when you remove sexual uh, behaviors and mm. um, interactions, do you think it's more wholesome? As in, um, no, I don't. I, I, more... I don't. I, th- I don't think um, sex is not wholesome. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a different. Oh, expression. different way. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah it's a different. Like way. it's just another language to communicate desire. Mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. love, or yeah. attraction. Um, yeah, I think it's hard. The reason why perhaps historically asexuality hasn't been recognized as a type or a form of sexuality is because um, our society, you know, you know, the whole adage "sex sells." So people who don't mm-hmm. are not interested mm-hmm. in sex is like it's kind of weird. Like I often, mm. I often use that. I often use that. Um, analogy to compare things so for instance Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i went out with a friend last night and she was saying 
that some other she's a writer and she mm. was saying one of her other writer friends doesn't who he, he's a writer and yep. she said he doesn't write um he doesn't like poetry he hates poetry actually that was her word she okay. said um jason hates poetry and i was like and i my first reaction was like what the fuck that's like saying you hate animals oh, no no i didn't say animals i said that's like saying <laughs> you you hate sex like who mm. hates sex well, yeah, there are actually people who don't like sex, but mm-hmm. like it just seems like the standard sort of um, assumption that everyone is like mm-hmm. the lowest kind of form of commonality between humans is that where we want to feel sexual. Um, we want to feel sexual, you know, mm-hmm. we want to be sexually pleased, and I think relationships that don't have sex um, are not are often unrecognized by society because society tells us that. Um, a relationship like a romantic relationship necessarily has to involve some sort of physical contact mm-hmm. but the truth is it doesn't it doesn't like mm-hmm. my closest relationship is with someone who i don't have sex with mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. who it is mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm kind of like paused and i'm trying to figure out which person but i might ask you after we yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 he's a friend he's a friend uh-huh. Yeah, you know the um, friend I see like every second day. <laughs> um, I feel like uh, when sex is removed in our conversation or in romantic interactions and things like that, um, I've got down here here in my notes. I feel like there's a, some kind of empowerment as well, because you know how mainstream like media, entertainment, how they portray um, romance is always. You end up with someone or a couple in bed, you know, yeah. stripping each other naked. Yeah. You start yeah. having sex and things like that, and that's kind of like the the image that we've grown up with, and yeah. we put the equal sign of romance to that kind of image. Yeah. And now, when we are starting to learn in that the different type of sexuality, you know, called asexual, where you people just don't want to engage in sexual acts you know I, I do you think there's an oppression in there because um when like the min- minority of course because what i've seen is that i think there's only one percent there's one percent but it's still they're there one percent of um population are Over asexual the, really mm, i thought it was yeah. more like five percent i i think it'll be more yeah 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 um i have nothing against people who are intersex but I find people who are not into sex perhaps more interesting because, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's sex. Everyone's interested in sex. It's almost like, you know, mm. uh, it's just like I feel like there are limits to the corporeal state, whereas mm. when it comes to the intellectual side of things, like, um, there are lim- it's limitless. There's an infinite amount of ways you can function in the brain, whereas, like, I think there's a limit to the number of ways you can put two bodies together, or three, or four, mm-hmm. whatever you fancy, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I have to say that um, when I was celibate, mm-hmm. um, I felt sort of, and it wasn't intentional, but I did feel like I was, I was really um, liberated because mm-hmm. when I was having sex, um, I felt that my sexual desires were affecting me in a way that made me open up to like distractions and danger Mm -hmm. 
And like when I wasn't interested in sex, I felt liberated. I felt like I had transcended some sort of form of humanness, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it felt good to not feel sexual. Like I didn't masturbate for a long time and it felt really, really good to not have that. Mm -hmm. But then like now I feel different. Like now I have my relationship with sex is different. Um, I feel like... I'm not going to say I feel normal because I don't feel like I wasn't not normal, but like it's just another state of being. Mm-hmm. And not one is not better than the other. It's just yep. different. You're I just, different. I was just, yeah. yeah, I was just at different Absolutely. life stages. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Do you think yeah. people, like, do you think it could, I'm guessing it could move, like, you know, when we're, like, for instance, when you and I were in our 70s, do you think we'll still be having sex? Will we still well, be interested really in depends, having sex? I think. I think yeah, it really if we're depends. married or not. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't think marriage is such an important aspect in sex. Well, I think mm. a lot of couples that become, um, there's a term in Chinese, "wu xin hun yin." Like, yeah, what's that mean? A, a couple just slowly stop having sex. Uh, that isn't that like every couple? Yeah, I think that's every almost every couple. I can't say for everyone, but it seems like um, a lot of couples that you know been too long together and they mm. just gradually stop having sex because there's no intimacy mm. um which uh we will be discussing later in the polyamorous you know Actually, people exploring. Yeah. i think uh, you, just hearing you say these things now i think the reason why we're so attracted to sex is because it's like the easiest form that we understand um des- to ha- what it means to be desired mm-hmm. you know like we all yep. want to be desired mm-hmm. and like being having someone like touch you in your private parts is the most expedient and universal um language in which we communicate like communicate yeah. where where we can communicate to someone else i desire you like mm. you're desirable you're attractive and mm. all those things are so humanly necessary you know like when you're 70 yeah. you still want to feel like desired right i'm sure yeah. you do but, but like very primitive it's just a basic oh, right. animal, you know, right, biological right. feeling, isn't it? Right. Okay, I don't know. Yeah. Um, anyway, so when I was looking up um, asexuality in Asian culture, um, so the conflict between, the, you know, the, how the hypersexualization and fetish, fetishization of the West um, versus the conservative Asian culture on sex, um, mm. it seems like there is a tendency of punitive actions when we either been judged of having sex too early. I'm talking about Asian culture overall. Mm. Or you consider a, a sex as a taboo. Or when you when someone come came out and saying that they're asexual, they get judged as well because yeah. they don't have sex at all. Like, I think yeah. the judgment in Asian culture will be h- uh, higher in compared to Western world. Um, okay, interesting. In saying so, I'm also surprised and happy to see there are decent amount of informa- information right um, written in traditional Chinese, which is coming out from Taiwan, mm-hmm. about the um, asexuality topic. Um, I don't know about simplify <laughs> Chinese because they, you know, it's how they pretty much controlled and constrained in mainland China. So um, I've looked up. There's actually a Taiwanese YouTuber. He. Mm. Uh, I think she's 
want to be acknowledged as she. Anyway, okay, Zhong Xinren,、mm-hmm. um, who does the movie and book reviews, she came out and spoke about being a asexual in 2017, and I also discovered her podcast. <laughs>、mm-hmm. um, she just basically saying that you know there's nothing wrong. Everyone should just normalize it. I still eat and poop like anyone else. It's just、mm-hmm. that I don't have interest in sex, but I do.、Mm. Like she has a romantic attachment to her partner.、Mm. Yeah, but they. I just feel like they have a different level of senses beyond sex that they can be romantically attached. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah, yeah. And also,、um, in Japan, it's a.、Uh, in Japan, it's very interesting that. They still have a lot of people are confused about sexualities、uh, in regarding to asexual.、Um, mm. When I was looking into articles from Japan, it reminded me one of the drama that I've watched. I think a year or two ago,、um, the drama is called "Jie Hun Dui Xiang Yong Chou De," like draw a lottery ticket to determine your spouse. So、mm. it's set set in. In Japan, the drama was set in Japan, but it's essentially、uh, the government noticed that the rate of marriage and reproduction has decreased, which is really happening in Japan,、yeah. and the government want to take action of it. So they、um, created a system where you draw a lottery ticket and you go and meet someone, like speed dating or blind date, you know, right, right. yeah, that, something like that. But it's down into a policy, very strict policy that you have to go on three dates, and if you don't meet or you don't decide to end up with any of those three person, three people, that you go and do like a community service or you go into like a concentration What? camp. What? No,、yeah. you're you're not. You're not. No, not it's、joking. a drama. It's a drama.、Oh, right. Okay, so let's say it's like a <laughs> fictional fictional idea. Does that sounds like the Lobster? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's similar to Lobster. Oh. Anyway,、um, but the protagonist came. Out, he he started, you know, going through this kind of、uh, what do you call it?、Uh, what do you call it when the government's telling you what to do? <laughs>、uh, anyway, so he yeah, so he start going to like the three dates, but then he found that he just cannot connect any woman that he met. Yeah. And because he's got extreme OCD about cleaners, is worse、yeah. than our mom. Like he wipes everything yeah. and yeah. sanitizes、um, whatever that he touches. And of course, the woman doesn't want to be with him. And then he eventually started like a union, going against this policy, saying、cool. that you cannot force、yeah. people to、um, randomly meet someone、yeah. and be coupled up. Yeah, 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 I know. And through his experience and journey of. Uh, those, those three datings, he kind of expanded out and meeting、uh, marginalized people essentially in Japan, like、yeah. um, people who get criticized about their appearance or、yeah. their sexuality, and yeah, also yeah. a lot of things that society,、uh, social norms that hasn't been so accepted in Japan. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. How interesting. I kind of derailed it from. <laughs> That's okay. Let's uh take a break and come back to talk more about asexuality and also um purge into, not purge. I don't know why I use that adjective. <laughs> Go into um talking about polyamory. Yeah, fantastic. See you soon.
So, hey guys, we're back. So, um, Helen, you know about this. Last weekend I did a two-day polyamory course. Yeah, yeah. Because I was interested <laughs> in what um, polyamory uh, is and mm -hmm. the sort of lifestyle which that opens up to people. Mm -hmm. I have to say, um, what was really interesting was that there were about 20 people in this workshop and okay. I was the youngest. Oh, okay. Yeah, most how, how do you know? In... How do you know that? Oh, because we saw each other on Zoom. Okay, so you just yeah, it was a... assumed that people are older. Well, everyone looked much older. That's what I mean. Okay. Uh -huh. Like they were in their 50s, 60s and 70s. Okay. Maybe okay. not 70s, but they were much older. Like they looked like their dads and okay. moms. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I thought that was interesting. Cool. Don't you uh -huh. think that's interesting? Yeah, that, you know, think... people older who... Perhaps they're mature well, to a stage yeah, that exactly. they want to explore. Yeah. I think that was very indicative. So... Mm -hmm. Polyamory, according to these folks um, who ran the workshop, is the technical definition is sexual and emotional relationships with multiple people with all parties' knowledge and consent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Most people, <coughs> I'd say like um, the patriarchal nucleus norm, is m they have practiced monogamy, like you and mm -hmm. everyone else we know. Or mm -hmm. not you, not I, like most of my friends are actually very like open and different but mm -hmm. like people in the suburbs let's say <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding let me take that back i'm sure a lot of people in the suburbs practice poly polyamory so monogamy is mm -hmm. what um, most boring people practice mm -hmm. just kidding i take that back <laughs> or agree, not actually. <laughs> um, monogamy is being exclusive with one person romantically mm -hmm. slash sexually yeah um and i was really interested in pursuing this guys because one of, I recently like have been acquiring in the last few years a lot of new special people in my life, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I realized that a lot of these really kind-hearted people, like the 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 ones who are like the sweetest, kind, most compassionate, kind-hearted people, mm -hmm. were people who were in um, ethical non-monogamy relationships. So like, um, they're polyamory. They're sort of polyamorous, but like, um, sort of non. Ethical non-monogamy is like an umbrella term for relationship styles that are not monogamous, and the mm -hmm. ethical represents moral, honest, and respectful behavior. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like, I just find that um, these people have been the most sincere and open with mm -hmm. like power dynamics. Yes. And so mm -hmm. I wanted to learn more about this world, and mm -hmm. so um, this this workshop uh, was a two day workshop, but I ended up only going to the first day because I was so tired <laughs> by the second day that I just did not end up going, which I feel really bad about. But um, what was I'll, I'll take listeners through what I learned in the first day. Um, mm -hmm. We basically were um, being taught how a relationship in polyamory is like any other relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Like um, you need to learn more about yourself and ask questions about what you want. And then also what your partner wants. Yep. And um, what they really, really, really stress is open communication. Mm -hmm. And that's what I really love about this whole philosophy. It's like this yeah, that's fantastic. very, 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 um, very large emphasis on being open about what you want and how you feel. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that shouldn't just be in polyamorous relationships. That should be in every relationship. Any right? relationship. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So like when I was mentioning this to you before, Helen, like how this workshop opened up a lot of questions about how to engage with other people and making sure that your needs are met as well as others. 
remember Helen what you said you said yeah I like, said that this should be taught in school I know healthy relationships should be taught at school yeah respectful yeah. healthy relationships should be just taught in school I mean yeah a lot of um, families out there I'm not saying that they're not normal but it's just the standard respectful um, companionship you know the relationship it should be taught at school yeah and I feel like the the people in polyamorous relationship they must be like really great at explaining their like expectations and needs and also yeah. the limits isn't it like mm. knowing before, your boundaries that's right yeah at both sexually and emotionally boundaries with different partners I think that's that's a skill that not many people have yeah yeah I mean I at the beginning of the workshop um we went around and told everyone why we were interested. Mm-hmm. And I said, and this is like the truth, I said um, I was interested because a few years ago I saw on the New Yorker website a video. Mm-hmm. You know how the New Yorker has videos, sort yep. of short video documentaries. And this one video, they had a, two couples who were in a polyamorous relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. So more like swingers, actually. Um, mm-hmm. But um, the way that they, they talked about how they didn't feel any sense of possessiveness or proprietorialness mm-hmm. mm-hmm. or jealousy. Yep. I was just like, wow, these people are like, have transcended human being. Yes. Like mm-hmm. it seemed like they were some sort of advanced state of mm-hmm. what it means to be a human being, you know? Yeah, not not yeah. feeling like just because I love this person doesn't mean that they should not have sex with anyone else. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I thought that was so yeah. like mature. It's just yeah, so mature. It's not about you. It's about making the person you love happy. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. anyway, so this workshop, um, what I found really fascinating was like the workshop leaders were very kind-hearted people who mm-hmm. told us that um, that it's a journey, and they were in their forties, and they said that um, they had to spend like years and years, more than twenty years, figuring out what kind of relationship they wanted mm-hmm. with the people around them. Like you and I, we grow up in a society where it's expected that you just have monogamous relationships, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. And, like, so for so many of us, it never fucking works out. And we think, why? Why is that? Like, people get divorced, mm-hmm. people get are unhappy. Um, people cheat. <laughs> yeah, and and the answer is because we've only ever been taught monogamy is the A only one way. One type of relationship. Yeah. Yeah. We, th- we think, we grow up thinking that there's only one type of cheese that everyone likes. But the Which thing is... is not true. It yeah, doesn't work. Is, yeah. yeah, everyone has different tastes and everyone likes different types of cheeses mm-hmm. <coughs> you yeah. know yeah i was just thinking going back on what you're saying about the maturity i i keep thinking when i'm you know uh looking into this topic polyamorous um i keep asking people like myself that would human be ever like be progressive and different enough like it's kind of similar to um monk or kind of like a religious figure, you know, you, they mm. don't really, they don't really truly need to depend on one single person for rela- relationship or emotional support. You know, the level yeah. of the zen up, yeah. up right on the top is like yeah, what you said, that. like transcended to the human yeah. level that mm. they can be um, as committed. You know, some people, there's a mis- misconception about when po- polyamorous that you're not committed, but they are. The truth is that they are committed yeah, exactly. to in, in each individual relationship yeah. that they have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, when... so I want to take listeners through mm-hmm. a really quick um, step-by-step 
what I learned mm-hmm. um, at ahead. the workshop uh, about like steps to non-monogamy. So step one is to ask yourself some important questions. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, they said, um, ask yourself, do you know what will possibly trigger insecurity or jealousy? Mm-hmm. Um, and if so, what is your plan to navigate these discussions with your partner? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and step two is find a support network and research. Like the workshop leaders say that they wrote, they spent years reading books. They spent years like joining groups. Like it's so important. It's almost like you know if you have um, schizophrenia, um, a way to. I'm not comparing schizophrenia to polyamory, obviously, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I'm just saying like. Um, you want to surround yourself with other people who are practicing what you're practicing mm-hmm. um, and not be around people who don't understand or That's are right. not open. Yes. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you don't want to um, you don't want to meet someone who just like cuts you down and says, oh, you're, you know, that's so wrong. Polyamory mm-hmm. is wrong. Like, for mm-hmm. instance, if if we mentioned polyamory in our family discussions, <laughs> I, I everyone else in our family would just say <laughs> we're like, we're we're crazy, right? Because Helen and I, we are, we have a rather conservative family. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so um, step two is finding a support network. Uh, step three is planning and get clear on what you want. So mm-hmm. things like um, what does your dream not non monogamous model look like? Mm-hmm. You know, sit down and talk to your partners about this. Um, who do you want it with? You know, mm-hmm. um, what are your needs and desires? Mm-hmm. Um, where do you want to meet in a cafe, mm-hmm. um, online, in your home, you know, um, and how regularly do you want to meet? Like all these things are like constant negotiations, mm-hmm. which I find like so, it's just like so much of my past relationships, I've never had these conversations. You know? I know all the aspects that you just mentioned. I think it, ha- it should happen even in, in ev- monob- monogamous relationship. I Everyone know. should navigate through those pointers yeah. and look into yourself and actually think about it rather than just um i don't know assume. people say yeah assume, or assume right? that's right yeah. yeah or intuition people say that love just come into intuition but i don't really oh, think that's so that's so bullshit it's that just so there's, bullshit there's still a lot of practical steps that you would need to go through yeah <laughs> yeah you know Rowan you know Rowan and Keating's song when you say nothing at all. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, that, I was obsessed with that song, but, like, it's the worst lyrics. It's basically, you say it best when you say nothing at all. It's, it's like, oh, bullshit. Oh, when you don't talk no, to anyone, now will anyone understand. How, exactly. Ronan Keating, you're full of shit. <laughs> but that's okay, exactly so, the thing that we grew up with. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, our parents. our parents, how yeah, they exper- never talked about anything. Yeah. How they exhibit their love is doing something to each other, and they ha- end up and hating each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, I have to say, Helen, like, I hope we're not, you know, making any sort of infractions by saying this. But what I find really sad is like, Mum used to tell me that when they were dating, when they were younger, like, mm-hmm. you know, when they just got to know each other, or in the first few years of their marriage, Mum and Dad, Mum told me that they used to lie in bed and talk for hours mm-hmm. they would just talk and talk yeah. and talk and that made me think like what that happened made me, yeah that just made me really sad because like now they fucking hate <laughs> now they don't hate each other but like it's just really sad because they never talk anymore and i'm like mm. what like and i'm scared that that happens to me like 
and when I'm in the beginning of a relationship, I just talk and talk and talk with my partner, mm-hmm. and that 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 history of my parents makes me scared that maybe one day I'll end up like them. Mm-hmm. Like just because the beginning of a relationship is wonderful doesn't mean that it'll be wonderful in thirty years time. Actually, mum and dad are celebrating their fortieth fortieth yeah. anniversary wedding. Yeah, now you remind me in November. <laughs> yeah, forty years <laughs> with one person. I think that's very romantic, actually. Like, if I married my best friend, that'll be a dream. Mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. spend 40 years with Billy. <laughs> I want to spend 100 years with Billy. 3,000 years with Billy. I um, think it's just the reality of life that enters the marriage or a certain relationship. Like, for example, yeah. kids, career, fucking house, mortgage, car, <laughs> and shit's happening around you. Your friends join off. They're traveling to Paris or things like that. That kind of... I don't know, maybe pull you down a little bit between your relationship mm. and just the reality of life probably mm. kind of cuts off of what you have expected at the yeah. very beginning of the relationship. And sometimes you want your partner, spouse, whatever you want to call it, to grow with you, but sometimes there's not. There's a disparity. Yeah, yeah. There's a disparity. I'll... Sometimes that person is in front of you, sometimes you're in yeah. front of him or her. Yeah. And... Um, you know, the distance between you two could, yeah, it just grows whether or not that you want to work on it or not. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly, I love that you bring that up, Hel, because um, that's exactly what one of the workshop leaders said. Mm -hmm. She said like, um, how do you, like, how can you expect someone to want exactly the same thing as you when you're 20, as when Mm -hmm. you're 40, as when Mm. you're 60? 60. Like that's, she said, Mm. that's just so unfair on the other person. Like why should they meet your needs when Mm -hmm. your needs are constantly changing? Mm -hmm. Like what about their needs? That's right. Yeah. It's It's just just a kind of more fun way to approach life. I think Mm -hmm. polyamory, like at least just the polyamorous philosophy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll just finish the two other steps. So Mm -hmm. step four is to ask yourself what's realistic, you know, like don't like ask yourself, um, ask yourself like, um, how it's going to work. Yeah, how it's going to work and also like list it down and put mm-hmm. those tasks in order starting with the most accessible. It could yep. start off with like um, safer sex talk mm-hmm. or like going on a date yep. or like um, opening up by asking your partner about their date with the mm-hmm. other person, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then step five is form agreements based on what is comfortable, what is a comfortable place for you to start. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. An agreement can be described as boundaries around how you conduct yourself in a relationship and one that all parties have consented to. Mm-hmm. Agreements are adhered to, however, over time are likely to be reviewed and changed. Wow. And and like the idea is that you are always in constant agree like always constantly saying, if things change for you, let me know. Let's have an open conversation about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like you said, Helen, it's just not a polyamorous thing. Like it should be... For every relationship. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the steps that you've just mentioned, I I can't imagine myself to be in that situation because I don't... I'm very admiring towards those people who are in polyamorous relationship because they're... I feel like their brain cells is more brighter than mine. Yeah, yeah. Can they put that much more effort to work around it? Yeah. Yeah, on top of, you know, chaotic life. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, like, why wouldn't you? Because aren't relationships the most important part of life? Oh. Like, this is what I've learned from mm-hmm. these workshops. Like, mm-hmm. why would you not 
put effort into it because like the way you and I might you know spend a whole week on a, on a CV for our career mm-hmm. why don't we spend a whole week really just like making sure that we're getting what we want out of our relationships are yeah, our relationships that's more true. important than our careers yeah that's true I'm just yeah. so lazy <laughs> well like I was thinking um like right now I don't think I can be in polyamorous relationships because um uh I tend to forget what I tell people like recently I've been acquiring a lot of friends uh-huh. and like I would tell someone something in the, in on like Friday morning oh, and same on with Saturday, me. Yeah. and then on Saturday night I'll, I'll be like da 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 and then I and I'd say to the person I'm with I already told you this they're like no, no you yeah, haven't I'm like yeah I told you yesterday and I was like happens oh to me shit too. I told my other friend yeah so I don't think I could be in polyamorous relationships because uh-huh. I'll just forget what I tell people yeah same same also same. yeah and also there's the jealousy thing Mm. Which um, I think jealousy plays a big part is in how you overcome with yeah. in polyamorous yeah. um, relationship. I because, think jealousy mm-hmm. comes from a place of like insecurity. Mm-hmm. For me, at least, yeah. Like mm-hmm. I, if my if someone I love goes and has sex with someone else, I would feel like that is a reflection on me. Where whereas the truth, most likely, is it's not at all. Mm-hmm. You know. See, there you go. You know, you open up and talk about um, about what you're really that's what, what's really in your mind and mm. how you really feel, rather mm. than um, you you'll have a, eventually have a language to express yourself. Yeah. Rather than just getting pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you think Asian culture with polyamorous is there will be more difficult? That's a really good question. Um, I think so because Asian society is so much more conservative. Yeah, it is very conservative. Right? We didn't think about and, the historical yeah. idea of exclusive with someone um, mm. and also there's a word that I have here, a possessionist. You know, you, you keep yeah. someone exactly. that you like, – as an object, <laughs> you know. Yeah, like, you, like husband's own wives. Yeah. But it had work. I think it had work. Yeah. Polyamorous. It had work in the very conservative, but it's still very patriarchal kind of system where you mm-hmm. have a husband and multiple wives. You know, it still happens yeah, in yeah. like fifty years ago where it was only um, became illegal in Taiwan. I think it was less than a century ago. Um, yeah, right. Insane about our Asian culture. I found an Instagram called polyamorous while Asian. Oh, cool. Um, so it's an Asian... Do tell us about that. I, I've only briefly browsed, but I will look into it more. Um, so there's an Asian lady that she, I wouldn't say promote, but just come in out and talk about polyamorous mm. relationship. Um, I think mm. this is a very good thing because when you lay open in public and tell everyone about it and kind mm. of debunk the myths as well and talk yeah. about certain discrimination. You know, the people do mm. get discriminated being in a polyamorous relationship. Yeah, totally. And maybe they wouldn't feel... And also they, they're going out and seek... That's what you're saying, that the, the community, they're actually creating a community that people can feel safe. There's a space yeah. for them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What, what, you, you, what you said reminds me of a, a beautiful quote that, the workshop leader said she said 
um, falling in love is beautiful. Why only do it once in mm. your life? Like, yeah, I agree and like with I that. honestly, yeah, and that I like I'm, I love so many people, and like I hate that often I can't spend time with a male friend of mine because their girlfriend gets jealous, mm-hmm. and I get that, mm-hmm. I get that, it's fair, but like I still wish that everyone was so not like clingy to their partners. Like, um, if I, I'm pretty sure. Let me just think. Yeah, no, I'm in the past as well. Like, I've always wanted my partners to be friends and very close friends with their female friends. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's so important mm-hmm. to to be close to another a person of another gender who you don't have sex mm-hmm. with. Yeah, and I do wonder that the the concept of jealousy is it something that's been constructed uh, to consider a person as an object because you need to own them. As a whole, yeah, exactly. You know, is it a socially yeah. constructed idea, or is it really a true feeling? You know, we we have to mm. question ourselves because yeah, when we when we're growing up, you know, when we are taught or what relationship that we've seen as a model is always been monogamous, yeah. and that kind of ingrained into our brain, saying that that's the true love. You know, this kind of bullshit about yeah. how society and media construct the term true love is like yeah. that and how we how we talk yeah, to followers really yeah it's so ridiculous like it's like expecting one person to fulfill all your mm-hmm. needs mm-hmm. um i've never had that relationship by the way like because my friends have always like i think if you are someone who spends <laughs> your life and your husband or your partner really is your only one and only um that's a for me that see it feels like a very very deficient life mm-hmm. Like, my life has always been too full. Mm. Like, I've had too many friends. Mm-hmm. I've had too many people that I've wanted to not have sex with, but, like, be Just engaging. lifelong yeah, partners Yeah, with. that's right. Yeah, yeah I understand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, um, my partners have been, in the past, like, you know, I have sex with them. I tell them about my secrets. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, we have common interests. But, like, my friends give me something else as well. Mm-hmm so many others something else's mm-hmm. and they those something else's are just as important as what my partner gives me yeah yeah um anything else any final words helen um normalize the abnormal don't call people abnormal you know your standard like out there in society is you very people get marginalized or just being different like they're yeah. doing nothing wrong. Like, like I, I, I kind of I mentioned, know. you know, the disc- discrimination against polyamorous relationship because, um, from the articles I've read, that apparently, um, they could be like child custody challenged, you know, getting fired, you know, some employers doesn't accept that kind of relationship, or even being evicted from the house because there's still a very strong stigma about this kind of relationship mm. that it's. It's not safe. It's dirty. You know all that kind of bullshit. Yeah. But um, when you're saying that polyamorous, there's a workshop for it. That means that people want yeah. to learn about it, and yeah. you do the right thing. Then there's nothing wrong with it. You know. Yeah. And it needs to be consensual, of course, in every every yeah. relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of safe sex, um, I also learned at the workshop that um the that polyamorous people have the lowest rates of STIs. Yeah, I, I read that too. Isn't that great? Yeah. yeah. That yeah, means because they're like, more cautious. They, they care yeah. About, exactly, because they fucking are careful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, my final word would be, um, yeah, like you said, um, it's 
really depressing that we have no, no world leaders who are openly polyamorous. Oh, that's or right. openly asexual, yeah. you know? All the world leaders are like married with kids mm-hmm. in monogamous relationships. I think it takes time. Yeah, I love Tying Wen. I love Tying Wen. She could be asexual. Like, she's single. Yeah, she's asexual maybe and she's single. Mm-hmm. Like I love yeah. that. Yeah. No one gives a shit about that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Hopefully. I know there's still tabloids writing shit. Yeah. Oh, right. Anyway, okay, so yeah. there's two events that I want to mention before we finish up. Yeah. So the first one is yep. uh, tonight there's a Feminist Book Week uh, Zoom with Zoya. So don't, yeah, Zoya Patel, so don't forget to legend. log into that. She's a genius, yeah, by we the love way, her. that woman. Oh, my God. <laughs> so she's speaking to Jess Hill, who wrote the awesome book that was also the Stella mm-hmm, Prize winner, mm-hmm. Look What You Made yep. Me Do, which is about domestic violence. Have you read that? I haven't. I have to read it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. read it. It's really confronting. <laughs> but Jess Hill and Zoe Patel tonight. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, another event is, uh, uh, it's happening, I think it's happening next week. I have to double check. Korean Film Festival in Australia. Wow. Yeah. Is it showing anywhere in Dendi or Palace? Uh, or I it think Zoom? it's online. Like the Taiwan oh, Film God. Festival, <laughs> unfortunately. Oh, my God. Yeah, so everyone go and watch Kim ji Bon 1982. Absolutely, oh, my God, yeah. You have like, to watch bring that. a fucking yeah. tissue box. <laughs> yeah, just bring a beach towel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I always say. Yeah, well. mm. Okay, once again, thank you to our listeners. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, Applecast, and now we are on Acast. Please give us a rating, review, and share our podcast to your friends. You can find our updates on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Asian Bitches Down Under. We welcome discussions and feedbacks. So we'll chat to you next week. Bye. See ya. See ya.